Hi, I'm Pete Price, and this week's podcast is a must-listen. And tell your friends, and subscribe, because it's free. Paul Chase is going to tell you the most horrendous story about scamming. This man is intelligent, he's a clever man, he's successful, he is not stupid. He has been scammed for a lot of money. Listen, this is an important podcast. Liverpool Live. It's Liverpool Live. It's Pete Price with you. And my guest now is a gentleman that I've got to say before we tell the story. I've known for many years. He's incredibly successful. He's a very intelligent man. He is no fool in any shape or form. And when he rang me and said, can I come on the show? There was no argument. Every one of you out there has got to be careful because the scam artists are out there and you think you're cleverer than them. I'm going to prove you could be wrong. Now, before I introduce Paul Chase, I have had five scams in the last week now. And all I say to you is straight away, block them, stop them, especially Royal Mail ones. And that's what we'll start with. Paul Chase, thank you for coming in. It's a horrendous story. Everybody listen because you will learn. Paul, over to you. Well, thanks for having me on, Peter. Um, I, I thought I might start by just explaining what has happened to me and then go on to talk about how my bank has responded to it and and finally finish off with saying what I think government and parliament needs to do because what's being uncovered here is an absolute national scandal. So my story starts really on uh, the 26th of February when I picked up a text on my phone purportedly from Royal Mail saying that I had a parcel, they had a parcel for me owed £2.99 in postage. Now, as it happens, I was waiting on a parcel. I'd ordered some T-shirts online. So I clicked on, gave my card details, paid the £2.99. That's how they got my details. I didn't realise this till later. Fast forward to Monday the 28th of February. I'm in the office of somebody I'm doing some work for and my mobile phone rings. A very well-spoken, softly spoken gentleman with a mild Scottish accent called Clive identified himself as being from the fraud detection department at my bank and asked me had I um, uh, tried to buy something uh, for around £350 from Amazon in the early hours of that morning using my card. And I said, no, I absolutely have not. Um, and before he asked me these questions, he, he went through all of the security that you expect to be asked when you phone the bank. You know, what's your, your, your name, your date of birth, the first and third letters of your ID code. Uh, give me a couple of examples of direct debits that go out of your account. So all of this I, I went through. And therefore, when I started speaking to him, I had no doubt I was speaking to the bank didn't occur to me for a moment that it was anything other than that. So I confirmed that I hadn't um, um, tried to make a payment at three o'clock in the morning. Uh, and, and by this point, I'm pretty alarmed. Um, and he said to me, well, Mr. Chase, he said, I think it gets a little bit more sinister than this. He said, an attempt has been made at 9.41 this morning um, in your local bank branch to take £25,000 out of your account to pay a building firm. 
He said, was it you that tried to make that payment? I said, absolutely not. He said, have you ever been into the branch um, in um, the pyramids in Birkenhead? I said, uh, no. I said, I opened my account in, in the local branch in, in, in Lisgard Village in Wallasey. He said, oh, I know that branch. He said, it's been permanently closed, which, of course, it has. Now, who would know that level of detail other than someone from the bank? So subliminally, all of this was like reinforcing me in the belief that I was talking to the bank. So he then said, well, this guy would have had to have produced two forms of ID, um, usually a passport and a driving license. Have you got those documents or could you have been broken into this morning? I said, well, they're at home. So he said, well, I suggest you ring off, go home and check you haven't been burgled. So at this point, I'm really alarmed. This isn't 350 quid. This is 25 grand that could have been moved and they'd stopped it. So I'm feeling grateful already. So I jump in my car, I speed home. Um, and of course, my, my, my documents are there. Guy rings me back. He said, well, he said, I've had the chance whilst you've been travelling home to view the CCTV footage from the branch. And the man going to the bank counter is a man, I would say, is an Asian man in his late 20s. So no way could he have been mistaken by the bank teller for a man in his early 70s. So, well, indeed, he said, he said, Mr. Chase, he said, we are currently conducting an internal investigation into what is happening in this local branch in Birkenhead because it's been targeted several times during the last month by people trying to do this kind of unlawful movement of fraudulent movement of funds. And we want your help in discovering who is responsible because we think people at the bank are implicated because um, the bank teller didn't take any ID documents off the customer and, and scan them on the photocopier, which they should have done. So we think this bank teller is involved and we want your help to find out who the others are so we can keep your money safe. And on that basis, uh, he then told me, I, I agreed to help. I thought this is, you know, by, by this time I'm hooked. I'm absolutely, I've been sucked into it, Peter. So he, he then says, well, uh, uh, we're going to take your account offline and we, we want you to set up some new payees and move amounts of money and then ring the, ring, the, ring the bank number, which I'm going to give you. I will listen in on the call and let's see whether the bank teller, the, 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 the guy from the bank who picks up your request to authorise the payment, let's see whether he mentions the £25,000 that somebody tried to move earlier. Because he should do. Because if you're now trying to move a substantial amount and we've already refused the movement of a substantial amount earlier that day, then, then he should mention that because it's suspicious. And if he doesn't, it means he's in on it. Now, on that basis, I dialed the number and he talked talk me through how, how to create a, a shared call so he could listen in and to get the name of the person and so on. And I moved the money. I made three movements of money uh, uh, following his instructions. And at the end of that, um, he said, OK, I, I, I've now got to, to do some things to... Um, uh, arrangements with the police to have these three uh, members of staff 
arrested and interviewed. Are you available for police interview sometime before 9pm tonight? So yes, of course I am. He said, well, I'm going to ring off Mr Chase. I'm going to make these arrangements. I'm going to, I'm going to reset your bank accounts and you'll be able to go back online and see everything is, is in place. I'll call you back in 20 minutes. Guess what? No phone call. No phone call. And at this point, bear in mind, this was just intense for me. Because every time you call the bank, you're caught in a queue and, and all of this, and you're getting impatient and you're getting wound up. And I was just sucked in. Yeah. Absolutely sucked in. Right. It is such a long story that you you set it up. Now, when you rang the bank and realised what had happened, how did the bank react? Uh, they said, yes, you've been scammed. No, nobody from our, from our department has wronged you today at all. Um, and we can see that three payments have gone out to the tune of in excess of £65,000. How much? In excess of £65,000. <sighs> So how did they react? They said, well, um, we, we've logged this. Um, somebody will be in touch with you. Um, we, 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 we've, so so it, it, it took basically uh, within 15 working days, somebody will be in touch. So I ended up going straight onto social media uh, on Twitter and saying, you know, what's happened to my money? Um, you, you know, they're supposed to be checking it with the, with the receiver banks and so on and so forth. Um, Within, within 24 hours, I got a phone call. So I, I was able eventually to send a detailed written account of what had happened to me to the bank, which I think they don't normally accept or receive. And in due course, I got an outcome um, uh, just a, a few days ago. Just let me ask you one question before you tell me the outcome. Yeah. Were they sympathetic to you? No. No, it was it was very much um, matter of fact. It, it was it was very cold. That there, there, there was no sense of 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 empathy, yeah. or or, or, anything, or or of customer care about this. It was very much this happens all the time kind of thing. We've got a process to go through. You just got to wait. What was the outcome? The outcome was they looked at the three um, um, movements of money. And all of the banks are uh, signatories to a voluntary code. Uh, I've learned that this, what I was a victim of is something called an APP scam. That's an, uh, an approved push payment scam, whereby somebody talks you into authorizing payments and, and they tell you what to say when you speak to the bank. Um, so the outcome was they, they, they looked at how they'd handled each call because they record them. And they said, we didn't alert you in the first call to the fact that this was a high risk payment and we should have done. But equally, you didn't verify that um, the person you were speaking to was from the bank. Well, why would I? He'd established that. So on that basis, they've refunded me half of the first payment. That, that, that I sent out. So they refunded me about just under £12,500. The other two payments, they said, well, we, we, we did ask you why you were making these payments. We did ask you where you got the bank details from. Um, you gave misleading answers. Therefore, we're not refunding you any of that money. Now, of course, what that amounts to saying is you didn't, you didn't suss this out as being a scam. Uh, you... you, you, you 
you know, they, they understood that I'd been coached. They, they knew what questions I would be asked. I was coached to give the right answers so the payment would go through. So, on, so that's where it stands. Um, the process now is that I have the right to an internal appeal to the bank, which I'm in the process of putting together. Um, failing that, um, there is a final appeal to the ombudsman, the financial services ombudsman. So um, I, I, this has alerted me to, to, obviously I am concerned to get my own money back, but I think what's happening here is an absolute scandal. Let me tell you why. Um, you see, you and I, Peter, both grew up in a world where if you wanted to go to open a bank account, you went to your local branch, you spoke to your bank manager, you looked him in the eye, you shook hands, and you went into your local bank to do transactions. That world is gone. And it's been replaced with a digital online banking world that has enabled the banks to um, shut down much of their branch network, uh, severely reduce uh, their payroll, and basically outsource a lot of the work to their customers. And in the process, they've created new opportunities for crime and new risks for customers. And I think they have a moral responsibility, and it should be a legal responsibility to protect their customers from those risks. So these APP scams last year, for the first time, um, more money went missing from them than, than, than from card fraud scams. So, um, and they soared during, during, during the pandemic when lots of people were at home and isolated. So in the first half of 2021, uh, £355 million of customers' money was lost to these scams. So annualised, that, that's nearly three quarters of a billion pounds has gone. All these banks that have signed up to this reimbursement code, um, are they reimbursing? In about 42% of cases. Where are you up to right now? Where I'm up to right now, as I say, is that I'm about to submit my internal appeal to the bank, um, saying where I think they've gone wrong what they should have done to protect me. Uh, the fact that in, in the contingent reimbursement model code they're all signed up to, they're supposed to look at, at the vulnerability of the customer. If the customer is vulnerable, then they should refund regardless of whether he's done the checks he's supposed to do. Well, I, I'd never previously thought of myself as being vulnerable, but I'm nearly 73. I've had two heart attacks. Uh, I've had triple heart bypass surgery. I live on my own. I'm not really familiar with with the the digital world and 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 all of that. I, I'm like you, punching codes in to to get through doors. I have to have it written down, and I just got taken for a ride. Um, and and, and I, my, I suffer from severe health anxiety, and and my anxiety levels were through the roof when this scam happened. So where I am right now is that I'm nearly 53,000 pounds adrift, subsequent to the small refund I've got. And I'm gonna be faced with months of, of anguish and anxiety, fighting for a life-changing, what is for me a life-changing amount of money. And I'm not on my own. 
I, uh, since you told me the story, have made some inquiries and I spoke to a source and the source said to me, a very important source, said that the banks are aware of all these frauds. They could stop it, but the cost of stopping it would be so vast they would rather deal with the fines. That's what I was told, which I was really, really shocked by. Does that surprise you? Well, quite frankly, um, when I think about the voluntary code they've all signed up to, the only reason they signed up to it is to ward off legislative action. That's the only reason. And I wasn't really dealing with the bank, uh, with, with, with people who were going to genuinely and, and with integrity consider my claim. I was dealing with the claims resistance department, and that's abundantly clear. And, and, and I'll give you the evidence for that. When banks deny payment to customers under these circumstances and the matter gets put in front of the ombudsman, then um, the ombudsman overturns the bank's refusal to refund 88 times out of 10. In the case of my bank, 82% of the time. So there is matter before Parliament. There is an intention to, to legislate, to, to, to make this... Um, mandatory that the banks reimburse except where the customer is obviously involved in the scam yeah. to finish off I will say again what I said at the beginning I've known this man for many many years he's a very successful businessman a very intelligent man he's been in the club game he is no fool in any shape or form and the story you've just heard I didn't interrupt because it is frightening to think of what I hear Paul Chase to finish off what would you say to everybody out there about scams? Well, what I would say is um, be really alert. If anybody asks you to move money or to give you their details, um, I now understand a bank would never ask you to do that, whether they represent it as being part of an investigation or not. Immediately you get asked to move money, then put the phone down and ring the bank's fraud department. I intend to give evidence before the all-party uh, House of Lords Committee on Frauds. I'll be submitting evidence in writing. I'm hopeful of being invited to do so. I intend to make it my business to, to, put the, to give the oxygen of publicity to this national scandal. The banks must act to treat their customers more fairly. They can't, they can't outsource their risks to us. And all this was through you filling in something that I had again today from the Royal Mail yeah. telling me that a parcel has arrived. That's how they knew who to ring and how to get in contact with me. Paul Chase, thank you very much. And if you want more podcasts, why not subscribe? It's completely free of charge. Tell all your friends. Liverpool Live.